selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. I gotta admit, when that... That comes on. I turn up the volume in my earphones right before we're about to start. Welcome to DLC Special Edition E3. Uh, we had an episode last night. Hopefully you listened to that where we talked about the first three press conferences of the show. EA's press conference, Microsoft press, press conference, and who was it? Who was the third one? Bethesda, <laughs> baby. Bethesda. Yeah, I blocked it out because my feet hurt so much after watching that one. But that was not the end of the press conferences. Today, we had Ubisoft. We had Sony. We're going to talk about that. I'm a little fried. I just got back, and then I also just watched my Warriors win the NBA title. So I'm, I'm, I've been having a good night, Christian. I'm having a good night. Christian Spicer joining me, of course. Hello. I also am having a good night. Uh, we had dinner at a friend's house last night between all of them, the you know bonkers, everything, everything happening at E3, and we made a crumble a fruit crumble for it and i ate some leftover fruit crumble so i think we're both having a pretty good night you don't even want to get me started on e3 foods because i've been eating all the e3 foods i want pictures Uh, of the food and then pictures of your toilet at the end of the day i should i well i should do half of that but um (laughs) just the toilet (laughs) just the toilet (laughs) oh man i'm so excited um i've been i've been uh, chronicling my e3 uh on my other show, Newest, Latest, Best, as well. If you want to hear live updates throughout the day for the rest of E3, definitely download that Anchor app. Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R, in the App Store will get you. And then you just you just search for Newest, Latest, Best, which is the name of my show. Or you can go to anchor.fm slash NLB, and you can hear me. I will be all week long as I see every game that I see. I'll record a quick uh, hot take, quick quick impressions of the of the game and you'll hear it immediately if you have that app so it's good stuff hope you give that a shot but we're here to talk about those press conferences big big stuff so let's start with ubisoft ubisoft kicked things off uh with the game that we knew about mario plus rabbits 
Kingdom Battle, which is uh, this kind of unprecedented teaming up. Uh, 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 really, it's it's Nintendo allowing other companies to have the crown jewels, to have the uh, the Mario characters. You've already seen that with a mobile app. They let uh, other company you know use Mario in a mobile app. Now, an entirely different publisher has their hands on Mario. And uh, I honestly have not been that big of a Rabbids fan. A, a, these, those games, I didn't really play them. I wasn't particularly interested in them. They felt like cheap knockoffs of the, of the, uh, the Minions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Although maybe the Minions came later. I don't know which came first, to be honest. Anyway, they just didn't seem that interesting. But they carted Miyamoto out right away. Um, he ran right by me down the aisle in, in the theater. And uh, he came on stage with Yves Guimont the uh, CEO of Ubisoft and they had a, a bro out moment and then they showed the game and the game completely took me by surprise. It's Mario XCOM. It's turn-based battles of that XCOM style or, you know, hard West or there's, there's a bunch of games in that style, but it's, it's XCOM with Mario shooting stuff, teaming up with uh, other characters to create, you know, you, you find cover and flank and you do, it's all turn-based and it looks beautiful. It has this wonderful sort of soft focus, uh, uh, force perspective thing going on. What did you think of it, Christian? Well, one, I'm, I'm I did uh, at least twenty more minutes about this a while ago. Kind of what people want, like leaks or no leaks, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm split down the middle. But I think this is one thing. Had this not leaked, this is a showstopper hashtag megaton that they open their press conference with a Mario game at Ubisoft, and then they get. Miyamoto on stage right I mean that's that's huge it's huge and so it felt a little uh, because we knew about it but still what a what a breathtaking moment and and it's almost like you know the first time a Sonic game came out on a Nintendo console you know what I mean like Ubisoft has been great at supporting Nintendo consoles but this was still this, this felt big especially having him on stage at E3 seeing as how Nintendo doesn't do press conferences like this anymore so this is the best the closest we get to the master you know standing there and his smile so infectious i i I don't understand any japanese but i almost like watching him talk more than you know his his uh faithful translators because you see the joy in his eyes right like and and it really carried through with this game i thought the one line that was funny is like we said don't make a jump game (laughs) (laughs) i I felt like could be read two ways like dude we got that. <laughs> yeah, that's ours. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Um, but because of that, they were able to make this really unique and, and interesting take in the world. Personally, this this game is not for me in the way that XCOM is not for me. And that, that style of gameplay is something that I have never been able to get behind. But I love seeing the universe and the character in this new style of gameplay. To me, that's... You know, it's as exciting as seeing Mario Tennis or Mario Kart or even Square doing Super Mario RPG back in the day where it's let's get this character in a fun new environment, get him out of his element and have fun in this beautiful world and see what happens. So I think it's going to be a, a huge hit and it's soon too. It's really soon. Yeah, August. Yeah. And I'm just glad that I don't have to buy it. <laughs> uh, the uh, the chat room game is already very strong. Uh, Eternal Gamer one one five one said, "I just hope it's challenging enough to warrant the combo strategy opportunities." Uh, oh, I'm sorry, that's not what the one I wanted to read. He, he commented twice. I wanted to say, 
The fantasy world of Mario lets them do crazy powers and combos that you can't do in XCOM's more grounded world, and that's awesome. I also noticed that. There's really fun, cool things where you could, like, juggle enemies if you if you combo up your team and shoot them into new areas or do that fun, like, Mario lands on his back and then the... Diana, shield! Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and, uh, I also love, <laughs> I also love this comment from, uh, Smurgsmarg who says, can't wait for Mario permadeath. <laughs> you name him Mario Mario and he dies. Aww. Oh no, not Mario Mario. Um, but man, I really was not expecting to be as excited about that game as I am. And the fact that XCOM, you know, it plays so great on, on, um, ga- on, uh, everything. iPad. Yeah. And, and it's perfect. It's one of those, you know, just one more round, just one more, you know, one more mission kind of games where you end up staying up till three o'clock in the morning. And the Switch is the perfect console for that kind of game where you're, you know, you can take it into bed with you and take it where you go. And I, I just think this is that the- Peach Rabbit is going to do something dirty to you if you take that into bed. I don't know what, yeah. I don't know if that's a guy or girl. I don't know if rabbits have, have a, have a gender or, um, uh, or a sex, uh, right. either or. Um, if they're born away or whatever, it doesn't matter. What I'm saying is that peach rabbit devious. <laughs> if devious. there were no, if there were no rabbits in this game at all, I would not mind. You know, if it was, if it was literally just let them use all Mario characters and make this, the rabbits add nothing. Although there was some fun comedy moments in the trailer that looked like they weren't completely stupid. I, I'm, I'm really excited for this game. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a big hit for the console, and it's another thing where Nintendo is delivering a you know arguable system seller type thing, um, you know, to a month or you know cranking them out. And I think this isn't unprecedented for you know kind of modern Nintendo. We did see Mario and Sonic at the Olympics, and those were handled by Sega. Right. And then we've seen um, Link. Um, well, God, what's the the Link battle game? Come on, brain. The like. Um... I want to say uh, Toshin Den, but I know that's not it. Um, uh, Dynasty Warriors, Link Dyn- yeah, Zelda Dynasty, Dynasty Warriors. So we're seeing them be a little more liberal with their IP, and it it's continues to be a success for them. So it's cool to see them kind of continuing down that path and then hopefully continuing to demand quality. And this certainly looks like it's going to be a quality game. They also talked, uh, they showed some Assassin's Creed Origins. We'd already seen that, obviously, at the Microsoft conference, but... Um, the game continues to look really, really pretty. What did they didn't show a ton more, but um, and we talked about it a little last night. Do you have anything you wanted to add about Origins? I, I think it underwhelmed. I don't think it looked that pretty. I think especially to you know Ubisoft's other games, they they have some. I don't know what engine they use or if all their games are on the same engine, but some of the games they showed were just stunning. And I thought, I thought the animation looked a little calling it too human esque, being that slidey is is being snarky. It wasn't that bad, but it it didn't it didn't wow me the way some of their other games had, and it still looks kind of samey. I know now there are the embargoes up for the longer hands on, so I'll be diving into that tomorrow and kind of you know reading about that before I'm able to get in and play it, but. I'm still not super blown away by it, and I almost feel like they're not either. I don't know. It felt like, a, yeah. here's the thing. It's interesting. What did you think? Yeah, it was an odd placement in the in the conference. It felt – I really expected them to put a big emphasis on it, and maybe they felt like that was redundant after showing it to big fanfare at the Microsoft conference. But saying, oh, here, you know, here it is with a guy on a camera shooting us playing it on a TV for a couple so of minutes. So weird. Yeah, I love Chris, but that felt weird. I know we <laughs> both. Weird. Yeah, Chris is a friend, friend of the show, but um, 
and it's not really his fault. But no, not yeah, at all. it felt odd to, to it looked really bad because obviously you know pointing a camera at a TV always looks bad, and then just saying okay, well tune in after the thing for more gameplay. It's like I don't know. It just felt oddly um, dismissive of such a big part of what they're they're this year lineup is going to be, but they had a lot of other things to show. So maybe they didn't want to spend too much time with it. Um, I saw it running on Xbox one X hardware at the uh, Xbox showcase today. And it looks really, really pretty. I mean, it looks really pretty. I didn't get a chance to play it. There was a big long line. I didn't want to wait in it, but um, I have a meeting with them later, but uh, I'm anxious to try it. I want to see how much like the Witcher it is, or if it really does still feel like Assassin's Creed in the, in the combat and stuff. So, Mm I have high hopes still. I'm still hoping this is the Assassin's Creed that makes me love Assassin's Creed, but maybe... I know the Assassin's Creed that's going to make you love Assassin's Creed, and it stars Joshua Jackson. I don't get that. What, what are you was, saying? Wasn't he in a movie called uh, Skull and Bones? Oh, oh, oh. Wow. Deep I think cut. he was. I think well, he was. We, I need to look it up now. I pulled it off the top of my head, but I think, I think he was. I don't think Skull and Bones is my jam. I mean, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but they did announce uh, a new game, which is... I guess, tangentially related to Assassin's Creed. They didn't really make any specific reference to it being Assassin's Creed, but it clearly is the ship-to-ship combat from Assassin's Creed Black Flag pulled out and made into its own game. And I don't think this is my jam at all. Uh, I mean, it's it's a five-on-five PvP game where you're controlling ships. It really seemed like you're not controlling people, you're controlling ships, right? The ship is your avatar, and you... You can select a type of ship, um, you know, heavy that can like battering ram stuff or, you know, farther away, more like uh, uh, DPS ships or whatever. I just I don't think dealing with ships on the high seas in this manner is what I'm looking for. But you seem to be excited about it. I think it has a lot of potential. I'm curious what the single player component of of it is i know they, they kind of hinted at something but i think it's interesting i think the same way that maybe for honor ended up not being for me but a game that i will still watch people play because i think it's beautiful and it's really intricate i think this could be the same and might might hook me a little more because there's something fun if they can nail that control and it, black flag the ship's controlled very well i think there's something fun about that uh uh, uh, go, 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 but you're a huge ship, you know, so it's not like, you know, you're not Tracer and Overwatch zooming around a map. You're a ship, <laughs> you yeah. know, moving around the high seas, and, like, the tension of those battles could be really cool. Also, I think my dad is going to sign up for Twitch and just so he can watch and comment on people playing this game. Like, it, Is your dad a super pirate fan? He's a, he's a sailor. He's an ex-captain, uh-huh. sailor, loves pirates, loves the high seas, all that stuff. Yeah, he's probably signed up for Twitter just so he can, like, troll people for being bad at it. <laughs> well, it seems like in a lot of ways they're hoping this will be their sort of esportsy game because um, the game is divided into seasons and there's going to be leaderboards and it's all PvP. So I like the fact that they didn't shove that down our throats with, like, hey, we're going to shoutcast this with a bunch of, you know, like some other people have done this week already. But – I I give it credit, even though it doesn't seem like a game I'm going to be excited about, I give it credit for being different. It it is really kind of in its own unique place in that world. And in that sense, it could find success. 
Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, For Honor just started its second season, and it very much was geared toward that eSport online style of play. And while this isn't a fighting game in the same sense, I mean, Ubisoft is definitely leveraging into, you know, their community and their games being community-driven and experiences. I mean, they even started the press conference that way. Before the official thing started, they showed the highlight reel of, you know, some streamers and stuff like that pulling off these you know, fantastic moments in game. And I think a lot of their games are built around that. Even, you know, Wildlands, which, you know, I thought was was good, but not, you know, amazing. Like the, that game, what's resonating with people is the the interesting stuff people are doing on stream more so than the plot. You know, no one's talking about, I took down the cartel. It was that, I don't know if you saw it in the theater, but they showed this like epic moment where a guy whipped out his rifle, shot the tail propeller of a helicopter. It came down and crashed. He yeah. ducked. It rolled over him. Then he turned around prone and took out the dude i was like oh yeah and i feel like yeah. that's what that's what ubisoft 2017 is all about yeah there was a lot of that stuff in the pre-show right of like the guy on the motorcycle doing the insane thing and landing on a tiny s- strip of of real estate and yeah all that all that cool um you know trick shots as you like to call them um i think that's all awesome and and i think that's a lot of what makes steep popular and you know all of those like look how cool i can be at this video game games um and yeah there's nothing wrong with that. I think they're awesome. Crew 2 debuted. We knew Crew 2 was going to be one of their big games, but I don't think anybody predicted that the Crew 2 would be four types of racing games in one. They showed, um, you know, a typical street racing game with, um, you know, awesome Porsche style game cars. You can tell I'm a, totally a car guy. Uh, but... Uh, they also showed off-road with motorcycles, dirt bikes, and dune buggies, and they showed aviation races uh, in the air, in the skies, with uh, with planes, and boat races, like uh, powerboat races in both the high seas and in rivers-type sort of, uh, you know, more corridor-type uh, bayous and backwaters. I think this looks really cool and ambitious. It's just that... Each of those has been, in the past, its own game, and it's hard enough to get one of them right in a game, have one of them be super high quality, to try to bite off all four of those very disparate styles of gameplay in one single title seems kind of a recipe for trouble, but maybe not. Yeah, it seems like, you know, automotive steep, (laughs) you know, where it's like, I don't know, here's this world, do cool stuff in it, and I'm not sure... Um, uh, Eternal Gamer one one five one says in the chat that Ubisoft wins for showing a racing game for like ten minutes without ever showing a single race, and that's my question to like, what is the game? What's the progression in the game? Is it just do cool stuff, or you know, complete this Porsche race to unlock the airplanes to unlock? Like in the video they showed, you know, like there was like a race going around a track, then plane a plane came in and smoked out the race, and the cars crashed, and then two cars spilled out of the track and kept racing down the street. Right. It's like, is that a thing you can do if you're playing? I can be like, oh, I see Jeff's playing crew too. Let me go get in my plane and screw up his his uh, F1 race. Like, what, what is this? Yeah, I don't know. The, the trailer was really cool. It had this cool, like, mirror world thing where it would flip from one to the other. Uh, and I was stylistically, it was really awesome. But yeah, it was kind of confusing as to how the game actually works. Um, I have my doubts about this one. But I do like the idea of boat racing. But I haven't really seen boats racing in a game in a long, long time, um, you know, unless it's like a GTA, but I, I thought that, I thought it looked really pretty and really interesting. I just have my doubts that they'll be able to do all four of those equally well. 
Yeah, it, yeah, it's a hard wait and see. And the crew one also launched with some issues. So hopefully it comes out and it's great. People love it, but it's not something that I'm, you know, going to run to get my hands on first thing. They talked about a new VR game called Transference with uh, Elijah Wood. It looks like it's going to have a lot of FMV. Kind of don't really know what it is. Uh, it's another kind of creepy, scary thing. I'm kind of feeling like there's too much creepy, scary in the VR realm. It's just too easy to scare people in VR. And I feel like I wish companies would be a little more would challenge themselves a little more than just doing something terrifying in VR. Cause it's just too easy to do terrifying in VR. What's well, to scare you or me? It's certainly too easy. I mean, you right. just, I'll have my headset on. I haven't even loaded up a game and someone can come tap me on the shoulder and it'll scare me. So were you <laughs> intrigued by transference? I like Elijah Wood. Uh, I know him a little bit personally, and I know his passion for the things that he, you know, gets behind. So that has me excited. I hope that he's actually excited about it. I know he loves horror, and he's really passionate about that genre. So hopefully this is something that he's actually motivated behind and passionate about and not just an actor in the game. So in that regard, yes, I, I don't know what the game is, though, right? Like, I have no idea what the game is, so it's a little too early to tell. Yeah. Um. They also in in a, in a a time when to, toys to life games are kind of dying, not even kind of, they are straight up dying. Ubisoft is introducing a new toys to life game. It's called Starlink Battle for Atlas, and it's doing toys to life in a very different way. And you know, Skylanders and Disney Infinity and uh, Lego, whatever the hell Lego is called. They're dimensions. All, dimensions, right? Thank you. Uh, they're all kind of figurine games where you have your cool figurine, even Amiibo. You know, you have your cool figurine and then you put it on a, ta- on, a, on a pad and it brings the figurine to life in your game. I think this is a very different kind of idea uh, that – I mean I talked to a lot of, lot of people after the uh, conference who were really down on this of like, hey, great timing, Ubisoft. Toys to Life is dying. But – I think if I was 10, I would be flipping out about Starlink. The idea is you have a toy spaceship that you plug onto the uh, the Nintendo Switch and you... Well, they showed it on PS4 too. It like clips onto your controller or something. Like your base station is your... Attaches to your controller, which looks cumbersome in some way, but I guess it's better than, you know, getting up and walking to the TV the way so many of these other games have True. done it. And it's modular, so you can add guns and features, you know, wings and, and stuff to the spaceship and it translates that stuff into the game. So not only are you buying these spaceships, but you're buying little <laughs> add-ons to them. That sucks, man. I mean, it's great, but that sucks for like, I'm laughing because it's just like, wow, I'm curious how these things sell uh, and like how they bundle this, right? And, and Skylanders did some of this with, um, was it Swap Force? I think was the one where you could do like half of a guy and half of another guy or, or something like that and like add a vehicle and swap out different pieces. But the customization of this looked like, looked expensive. I don't know if you've ever dabbled, dipped your toe into the um, Lego subreddits. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, talk about people who know the pain of uh, of a hobby. It's <laughs> the expense of a hobby. It's them. And I feel like this might, this might rival it. I don't know. Well, I don't – it's not clear if they're selling those little bits on their own or if it's just like different ships can all come apart and reassemble on other ships. I don't know exactly how it's going to work. I feel you. I understand what you're saying, but I still think this is a pretty rad – it's actually a toy. I, that's been my problem with Toys to Life is they aren't toys. 
they're figurines. They're static things for adults to put on their shelf, not for kids to play with. Even the Skylander stuff really aren't toys. They're just impressive little sculptures. And this actually feels like a toy. It feels like a thing I would play with if I was 10. And then also it turns into a video game? That's awesome. I I came away really high on this, but literally every single game journalist I talked to after the show was like, that was dumb. So I don't know. I, maybe I'm the lone voice of, of excitement on this one. Well, I think it looks cool. I'm curious. I think the gameplay um, looked interesting, if if maybe a little simple. I, I think it is a hard sell today just because of all the realities of, of retail and shelf space. And you see the other Toys to Life games kind of dying on the shelves. But this could be the thing that catches fire. Again, Ubisoft has a great track record of having several of the top-selling games of the year, and they kind of come in under the radar and take off. And if this could be the next thing, you know, I, I don't doubt that it could be. I just don't I don't know. It's hard to predict. They showed some more Far Cry 5. And Christian, I'm going to be really honest with you. I don't know how to feel about this game. I really don't. Um, because... The gameplay footage that they showed at the Ubisoft conference had kind of a flippant attitude about it. It was a little tongue-in-cheek. It was a little fun, <laughs> which I guess you want from a video game. But the iconography and the imagery is so dark. Brutal, right? Just absolutely brutal. I, yeah. And a little too close to some themes that are very prevalent in society right now. And I don't know how to feel about it because the game at once is like, yeah, it's super fun. Here's a dog. He's hilarious. And here's a big rig and you're going to run over dudes with a, with a tractor, you know, and you're going to shoot them in the head and laugh while you're doing it. And um, this girl is going to be like, boom, boom. And then it's like, boom, 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 you know, and then we're having fun shooting up uh, racists. And it's like, yeah, okay, I want to have fun shooting racists uh, like I have fun shooting Nazis, but th the stuff that they're doing is like kind of serious and kind of makes me want to think a little bit about the world and it, it makes me uncomfortable and I, it's uh, – I don't know how to feel about this. It's a hard thing and a hard thing to do well. I mean I've mentioned Bioshock Infinite as a game that I thought you know also kind of – got into that territory and then I think quickly kind of steered away from it and how its story unfolded and wildlands Tom Clancy certainly you know could do some say something interesting too about the drug trade and our relations with our neighbors south of us and how that is portrayed and how we as our you know DEA and armed forces go in there to combat the drug trade and how that affects the locals and you know what that scene is like and that game definitely did none of those that game was just like f-bomb 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 um and like this cool playground of, of destruction so i don't know far cry has not been the series that has handled intricacies well uh so far in in its plot and pacing and and um in its bigger story um i'm still optimistic that this game can do it but i agree when the trailer started with the sniper assist i thought I was okay with her kind of going like boom, boom or whatever. But when the dude came in in the airplane and basically yelled out like yippee ki AMF or whatever, I was like, oh yeah, this, this is just like tongue in cheek, tongue firmly planted in cheek now. Yeah. And we're like, you know, I hate to say this, but in an era where we're like, you know, we're getting protests that turn violent and people feeling really genuinely oppressed or feeling genuinely like the people who have different ideological stance are 
evil and the enemy and we you do need to, and like the word resist was in there and and I mean literally was painted on the bus as they walked through it it it's a little cr- crazy when you have you know uh, a memorial service where cops were shot what only a year ago we just had the anniversary of that and it just feels like you know are you going to be blown up churches in this game these are religious people it is it's and you know people are saying well what's the difference between that and the wolfenstein trailer i think both of them are evocative in a very like well this is a little close to possible feeling but wolfenstein is a little more cartoony and a little more exaggerated in the sense of it's, you know, it's this alternate reality, alternate future where things are already sort of off the charts in just technologically. And it's, it's got this sci-fi abstraction that I think blunts that feeling for me a bit, uh, even though it is still evocative and powerful. This is like taking place in the real world, in modern day, in Montana, in a real place right now. And it, it, even if it's exaggerated because the characters are broadly written, it lands on me in a very different way. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, right? Hopefully, they pull it off and it goes well. Um, I, I don't, I don't know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I will tell you, I saw this. Uh, they had it running on PlayStation Four at the uh, at the PlayStation conference before the show. They had a bunch of stations with lots of games, and they had it playable there. Um, it's really good looking. It is a gorgeous game, um, really attractive, uh, just visually. Um, so I don't I don't know what to make of it. I don't know how it's going to make me feel, quite honestly. But I'm intrigued by it, and I guess that's the point. Yeah. So I guess uh, I guess we've gotten now to the big mic drop moment, I guess, uh, which kind of came out of nowhere. It was a big surprise. Uh, it's one of those things that every year you say, is this the year that Ubisoft is going to talk about Beyond Good and Evil 2? No, no, no. not the, Stop asking about it. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Well, this was the year. Uh, I don't know. I still think that other answer works. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So we got an extended trailer for Beyond Good and Evil 2. Mike, Michelle Ansel came out uh, and said, we've been working on this for three years. I think he meant that trailer, though. I really I think he just meant I honestly think you might be right, dude. I said that, that was too. beautiful. That was the best movie of E3 so far. It, it is a gorgeous trailer. It is a really interesting universe that they're building. This is, uh, as stated, a prequel to Beyond Good and Evil. It takes place before that game, uh, chronologically. And it's got this really interesting, vibrant, multicultural world with all these different species all intermingling. We see this kind of foul mouth space monkey and this woman uh, pull off some sort of heist, I guess, and they're into trouble and they have a getaway. It all looked really, really cool. Obviously all very pre-rendered. Um, there's no gameplay. There's no even indication of what the game is. Clearly very different from Beyond Good and Evil. Uh, different in tone, different in yeah, content. Not, my kids are not going to watch me play this game. Right. Yeah, I mean, this guy was dropping <laughs> F-bombs right and left, and Beyond Good and Evil was very much not that. You know, it was very much a family-friendly game. 
And then uh, Michelle Ansel comes out and says, uh, yeah, we're doing it. I'm very proud. I'm so happy. You can become a space monkey and help us make the game. We need your help to make the game. All right, everybody. Good night. It's like, what? What? What what is happening? Is this a game? We've been waiting because you said you've been working on it. Is this – how do we help? Do you need our money? Do you need what do you need of us? Do you need us to make art assets for the game? What what are you asking for? This is if you're asking for our help, this game is clearly not coming anytime soon. What are you showing us? Have you like followed any of the Vivendi takeover attempts of Ubisoft? Uh other than just sort of knowing that they happened, not really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it seems kind of inevitable, unfortunately. I felt like this presentation was... Um, Eve felt a little emotional, and they were all rallying around him. I don't know if they think that they're going to have one of these next year with this group of people. And I felt like maybe this was... This was like, hey, Beyond Good and Evil 2 is a thing. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Vivendi. You got it. <laughs> We've printed $100 million on this. Sorry, jerks. Fingers in the sky. That's <laughs> like, a really interesting take, Christian. That... That's what, I mean, it did have this very um, poignant moment where they literally brought everybody up from the audience. By the way, I was sitting very close to the front uh, on the aisle for that entire conference. And when all of the developers went on stage for a split second, I thought, I could just walk on stage right now. I could, I would totally be a meme of like the dude that walked on stage and wasn't a developer because no one would have stopped me. They would have all just assumed I was there and I could have just gone on stage and waved to the audience. They do have big teams at, at Ubisoft yeah, for sure. They would, nobody would have known like, hey, that guy doesn't work here. I'd been like, no, yeah, I do sound. Um, Give him a big hug. <laughs> yeah. And do a Butters voice for a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's on South Park. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I should have mentioned we're going to talk about South Park as well. But um Anyway, so that, that briefly. But yeah, I just don't know. I don't know if it was like a, it's public <laughs> kind of moment. I have otherwise, I don't know how to explain it. That's the only way I can explain it that makes sense in my head. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Um, I'd love to see that technology used to make a movie. Uh, I, there's, there's no game. There's, there's no, no game, game, right? There's no game. And he was like, "We've been working on it." And they showed this footage of a guy working on a game, but he was clearly working on the trailer. He was clearly making the trailer. And I loved the trailer. I loved the trailer, but the idea that you would go radio silent on this game for so long and then show us something that is not anywhere close to being done by all, by all indications seems very bizarre. And what is this weird prompt to help us? How? You, you're not going to fill us in on any of that information? How we go to the beta site or whatever, which I had not had chance to do yet. Like log in to be a space monkey or whatever it was. I, Jeff, I have no idea, buddy. I, it, I have, I have no idea. I'm so baffled by this. I was elated because we've all been excited about Beyond Good and Evil 2. And I was elated because the trailer looks so cool. And then I just came out of there a little bit frustrated and frankly kind of mad that they would do that. Like, don't not talk about this for that long. It's like if Valve came out and and we're like, Half-Life 3, here's a trailer about Gordon Freeman and he has a gun. And it's like, well, but is it a thing? No, I don't help us make it. It's like, what? It's it's so weird. Oh, actually, Jeff, I gotta go. Um, sorry. I just logged into the site and um they're sending a helicopter. I've been hired. Oh. I'm helping them make the game. Congratulations. That's amazing. <laughs> I gotta start. 
I'm, I'm starting on it right. You're I'm so sorry. You're a space monkey? I'm entering code. Oh, my God. You don't understand this game's going to be great. <laughs> I, I don't know. I It was... It was like a, a punch to the heart or like it grabbed my heart and like, they're doing it. And then they took their hand off my heart and put it firmly on my groin and crushed. Very odd. <laughs> like you got excited, didn't you? <laughs> but there's now not one, but two, uh, two South Park games. Um, although I just, I'm just reading here in the, in the chat room that Zimmy Doom says in an interview with Jeff Keeley that uh, Michelle Ancel said there is a playable demo behind closed doors. And that it's not a Kickstarter. No, it's true. It's a, a quick time movie and you push play on it. Well, I have a meeting for behind closed doors stuff with Ubisoft. So I'll see if I can uh, muscle my Dude, way. Dude, I in hope there. you're right. I hope that's all, oh, man. I have a feeling there's like six people who get to see that. And I'm going to go as your Kazooie to your banjo to that. And I'll just be your, in your backpack. <laughs> I really suspect <laughs> that's one of For the, that meeting. There's one of those, it's one of those like, there's a demo behind closed doors for four people. And those four people get to see it. Uh, and all of them are executives. But, and then Jeff Keighley, of course, because that Keighley. guy is the best. Yeah. He's everywhere. Anyway, South Park, two South Park games. Um, we finally are seeing uh, – I, I feel like this time it's actually coming out because Matt and Trey weren't there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> They're like, screw it, guys. We're not going to trot out again and talk about this game for a third time. Uh, but also a, a, a cell phone game, which seems really funny. I'm still excited for this for the – uh, fractured butthole. I mean, I think it looks hilarious and uh, seems m- more intricate and and deeper than ever before as far as story goes. I have a dirty admission. Um, I'm going to watch... <laughs> I do have a fractured butthole. Uh, I'm, I'm going to just watch this game and pretend it's a movie because it looks so good. You don't want to play it? You just want to watch it? I don't know if I want to play it. I'm sure it's fine, but like, I was watching that trailer just thinking like, this is a uh, bigger, longer, or whatever that movie was. Like this is just this is this is incredible. It's going to be a a, a ten hour South Park movie. Yeah, <laughs> and then I was like, oh wait, I have to do stuff. I don't know. I think I'd rather just put the controller down and watch it go. It looks so good. I don't think you you're wrong. I think the combat could be really fun. And the and the first South Park, the ga- South Park game I played a fair amount of, and I didn't finish it, but I I. I thought the gameplay was fine, and they seem to sure. have, have been dissatisfied with that as a game. So maybe this is a lot better. Yeah, no, I mean, it could be great. I'm just saying it's like when it's they, they nail everything else about the world so well, I don't know if I need to play it. <laughs> like, that's that's the end of the day for me. I'm like, I don't know if I need to play this. It looks so great. Well, I think that wraps up uh, our discussion of Ubisoft and we'll move on to Sony. But first, I do want to thank our sponsor. And it's a brand new sponsor for this episode. It's the perfect episode to sponsor it. First of all, because Father's Day is coming up. And if you have a father, you should give him a Father's Day gift and, you hear that, Jack? Are you listening, yeah, little buddy? Trying to get my kid to get me one of these. Actually, I already got one of these, um, and I'm really pleased that I got one of these. Uh, it is uh, this is the perfect Father's Day gift. If you have a father that travels or it goes anywhere or needs to pack anything away, is luggage that they have created the perfect carry-on bag. And I am somebody that travels all the time. I just traveled to Portland, uh, and I almost always when I travel only carry a carry on because I don't like checking luggage and away sent me one of these to try. They are amazing. Quite simply amazing. It's like somebody read my mind and got me the most perfect carry on. Now I'm not somebody that usually gets excited about luggage. Who cares? Does it fit my clothes? Awesome. But away makes a carry on for geeks for people that have awesome needs like us, because guess what? Their carry on 
can charge your cell phone. Yeah, you heard me. That thing you're always doing in the airport when you're waiting for your flight, looking around for the plug, and there's like three dudes and some little old lady all like hogging the plugs, uh, the like four precious plugs that are. And her name's Martha. Yeah, mine's Martha too. Oh my God. <laughs> Stop punching me, Christian. Um, Let her have the plug. Let her have the plug. You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to search for plugs. You don't have to be at the mercy of your low battery because your luggage, your carry-on can charge your your phone. And, oh, is it – do you have to, like, unpack your – like, you have to open it up and have your underpants fall out? No. It's got an awesome – uh, interface at the top that lets you just plug right into the top of your luggage and charge your phone. It is so awesome. Not only that, these carry-ons are unbreakable, thoughtfully designed, and guaranteed for life. Now, when they say unbreakable, they mean it because they're guaranteed for life. This la- luggage will outlive you, and if it doesn't, they will take care of it. They have a built-in battery with enough power to charge your phone five times. They have two different sizes. They have a bigger carry-on that uh, fits the the sizes of all the major U.S. airlines. And because it's Father's Day, they're doing something really, really cool. Give this as a gift for Father's Day, and they'll automatically include – a beautifully packaged shave kit from Harry's. You've heard about Harry's. Mm. So you get mm-hmm. your dad's luggage and a shave kit front when he's on the go. Plus, they have a really cool book, a, a book that has a collection of stories about the men who have changed the way we see the world. So it becomes this more thoughtful gift too. They get a piece of luggage that has a charger and is unbreakable. They get a uh, Harry's shave kit and they get this really cool book from artists, designers, and writers, chefs, and travelers who – our fathers. So it gets, it's thoughtful too. It's not this kind of cold gift that you sometimes give to dads. I have used my away luggage. It's cool. You can get them in a variety of colors. I got mine uh, in sand. It's called sand. It's like this cool, like yellowish grayish color. It looks like sand, but it's awesome because when the, when I do have to check my luggage, uh, I will always see it coming down the thing because it doesn't look black like every other, although they do have them in black. If I just ordered to. it too. Sorry. It's great, right? I'm on their website right now. It looks great. Wait, and no, do no, you know, don't they... do it yet because oh. Oh. you want to They use... nest inside each other, Jeff. They nest inside each other. Yeah, you want to use – we're going to give you $20 off and that free Harry Shave Kit and Stories Collection book. Go to awaytravel.com slash Father's Day. So do it at that URL, awaytravel, A-W-A-Y-T-R-A-V-E-L.com slash Father's Day, and then use the promo code DLC at checkout, and you'll get $20 off your purchase. So it's $20 cheaper, this offer valid only until the 18th, so you have to do this before Father's Day, because the Father's Day is the 19th. Awaytravel.com slash Father's Day, use that promo code DLC when you check out, you'll save 20 bucks. You'll give your father a cool, cool gift. All right, before we get to Sony, which we are going to do, I want to talk a little bit in general about the press conferences as a whole because I really think we're in a new paradigm. And I think the new paradigm kind of started last year and Sony identified it and everybody else has sort of fallen in line. Sony really realized last year, and they certainly doubled down on that this year, that the theatricality of the press conference is is what's important. It used to be that 
these all of these would be sort of the same. You'd trot out your developers. They'd say a few words about the game. You'd show some of it. You'd have someone playing on stage the game. You'd talk about sales numbers and sales figures of your of your console over the year. You'd talk about the product that is, you've released and where it's going and where it's headed. And you talk about the menus and the systems and all the partnerships that you're making on the on the content creation level. And you show games and the, you talk to the developers and it's all very much a press conference. And Sony went, nope, we're going to have a live orchestra. We're going to do crazy sets. We're going to have pyrotechnics. We're going to show trailers. It's a giant commercial and all that matters is the feeling it evokes from the audience. Nothing else matters. And I think Ubisoft kind of got on that page much more than they did last. Ubisoft has always had solid showing, but their press conferences for the most part have been a train wreck, honestly. I mean, I love Aisha Tyler, but I think they benefited from not having not not just her, but like no host at all. Uh, and and benefited from being quicker and not lingering on stuff and not trying to create false moments because oftentimes Aisha Tyler or whoever happened to be the host of these things would try to create some patter with a developer who felt uncomfortable and wanted to stay on message and it just never works. And Sony last year and even more this year just went, no, you're here for one thing. It's to watch trailers. So let's just do that. And... They had one dude talk, and he may have said less than 50 total words the entire thing. They just showed a bunch of trailers back-to-back, and they wrapped it in this incredible multimedia experience with all of this crazy theatricality built around it. It was exciting for the audience, uh, I can say, as one of them who was there live. I don't know how much that translated to the stream, but all of the stuff they did in the room to make it pop and over overflow from the stage was incredible. And I wonder what your take on this Christian is because I'm as much as I'm swept up in it and love it and think it is really a good way to see more of the games. I also I'm trying to catch myself from that feeling and think there's a double edge to this sword. There is a slippery slope to uh, what they call them, bull shots and fake footage. And, you know, when we, when we move completely away from somebody playing it on stage or anybody explaining things, when it's literally just a series of highly composed and very precise vertical slices of, of things, we are getting less of an idea of how the games actually are. Yeah, I know you're not doing this on purpose, but... Uh... It comes out tomorrow at 5 a.m. I, my, my at least 20 more minutes this week is all about this. So <laughs> if oh, people good. are interested on my my solo take, it's patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. I'm not going to not answer your question now and say, go listen to that. Um, so trying to answer everything, let me know if I miss anything. I, Sony's conference, I think, translated well. It's hard to compare it to in the screen, you know, in the room, but they would pan out and show, you know, like the the, the zombies hanging from the ropes. And, oh, like, can I talk about falling. that moment real quick? Yeah, of course. Because I don't know if if you missed it, anybody listening missed it. During the uh, Days Gone trailer, there's a moment where the guy like walks into a room with a bunch of dead zombies hanging upside down, and they literally lowered 
corpses from the rafters in this massive shrine auditorium, this huge classic theater in downtown Los Angeles. They lowered these corpses in. And I'm sitting there, not very far away from this, but already shocked that there's this corpses like hanging by one foot and it's all, it's, it looks horrible. I'm like, oh, they really needed to do that. But of course they're prop corpses. Of course they're not real people until they start moving and gyrating. And it's like, they hired actors to hang upside down from the rafters for like 15 minutes. That's a terrible job, A. That's a terrible job. But my God, it shocked and freaked me out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't as visceral as being there, I'm sure. But they showed it and you kind of got that, oh, cool. They're, you know, they're doing that thing. Was you um, surprised that it was a real person? Yeah, because they showed it like Twitch. I mean, I, I think I expect – so that's the difference is that when they zoomed out to show you the auditorium, you could kind of tell they were going to show you something. Uh, and yeah. I don't know if they would have just shown us just bodies hanging. Maybe they would have. I don't know because they didn't They didn't just show us that. You know what I mean? <laughs> they showed us bodies that, that started twitching. Um, it, it, I, I know you talked like Sony kind of did this. I think it's everybody kind of leaning and learning from Nintendo and um, – the Nintendo Direct and you control your message. And the big thing too that I think a takeaway from all this is that you're still seeing that gameplay and the, and those developer interviews. It's just they're able to control their message more and that, and the cost of production is so much cheaper. You know, we talked about this yesterday for EA's press conference and how ending it with that live playthrough of Battlefront wasn't as, as great as it could have been. It could have just ended with the flashy trailer. And that's kind of what Ubisoft did, right? They had the flashy trailer for Assassin's Creed. And then afterward, they did a 30-minute sit-down live play with developers right. where they got that talk. But it was, you know, they're sitting there controlling the message. And what I talk about on this week's at least 20 more minutes is that I feel like we're, as an audience, more forgiving in that scenario, too. Like, if I'm watching them do a sit-down of a build of a behind the scenes extended hands on impression or you know session with the game and then something doesn't work i could i'll be like well you know they're showing it to us this is cool it's it's actually real gameplay it's rough or whatever versus when i forget who it was if it was Miyamoto or someone else was on stage showing the Wii for the first time and the remote didn't work because they're in this huge auditorium with smoke and light and everybody's cell phones and whatever that's that's a gaffe right that's a huge misstep and so you do these live playthroughs on stage and they need to be perfect or else the game looks bad versus if they do it later at a sit down or you know with jeff Keeley on youtube or they sit they swing by you know with the kind of funny guys or any of those types of of situations where they can talk about it um it allows that same kind of footage stuff to be shown but in a way that i think is more forgiving and i think that's where it's going someone tweeted at me afterward about sony how they were sad they didn't see game x y and z but they did show those games, and they talked to the developers of those games. They just did it from five to six. Like, that right. stream, that footage was all developer interviews sitting down showing um, Nino Kune 2 and um, this really cool card game where you used your phone and you took pictures of yourselves, and they're playing with Shig. Yeah. And it was – Knack 2. Yeah, Knack 2. And they're talking to um, Dana Carvey dressed as Mark Cerny, and it was really, really <laughs> – I stole that. that. He's got that really down. By yeah, I saw that joke from someone on Twitter. I forget who it is, but thank you. Um, so that, that stuff still exists, but I think they've really fine-tuned the all eyes are on us. This is our press conference, or you know, not even a press conference, our media presentation. We're going to pop, pop, pop and get out. You're so right that that's borrowed from Nintendo. That's the Treehouse Live mm -hmm. template of 
you more know, insights patreon.com slash christian spicer at least 20 more minutes <laughs> the, the nintendo direct is the news hits and then it's like no now we're going to in this more relaxed environment where people are used to watching twitch and live streams anyway we're just going to kind of talk through a very you know a very lazy playthrough of this stuff i get it I get it. I, I don't know if it's better. I, I do think from uh, a person like me who's just excited about the reveals and showing more of the games, the Nintendo conference worked really well. And I think it even worked. Sony or Nintendo? I guess I said Nintendo. I meant Sony. Uh, you're, you're right to correct me. Thank you. Um, I think, you know, and I think Microsoft tried to do that. They're like, hey, 42 games, 22 exclusives. Here we go. Boom, boom, boom. But even they didn't do it as well or to the extent that Sony did. And I think Sony... Also, like wrapping it in all that theatricality makes it feel special. Like when it snowed on me in the room, it was yeah. cool. When in the Call of Duty trailer, shit legit blew up. <laughs> that was insane. Um, you know, like I I felt the heat of fire on my face. I it I smelled smoke. It was it was crazy. So that stuff makes for a special feel that works that that makes it seem elevated yeah yeah well i think maybe people in the chat are answering your question how that conveyed though because people are saying the press conference was too cold they went on autopilot and i think what you're saying is in the room it did not feel that way at all it did feel special and and theatrical and stuff so maybe there was that disconnect and i'm not trying to say i as a connoisseur of this stuff like i understood what they were doing but yeah i did not feel heat on my face you know i could see that you were feeling it and go cool but that is a very different thing than you know someone with a blowtorch inches from my face right yeah or even like the when the banners unfurled all around the auditorium for destiny 2 it was like it felt special and amazing they literally they had Something like that for almost every game that they showed. There was some special effect, uh, yeah. quite literally a special effect that uh, that made it seem neat. Anyway, it worked on me. I'm a sucker for theatricality anyway. So I'm a sucker for Sucker Punch. Where are you, Sucker Punch? Where is Sucker Punch? Um, okay, so Sony, let's talk about it. Started off um, with Uncharted, which seems to me like their big release of the fall this year that's Um, what you thought until they showed a couple more (laughs) yeah right um yeah i changed my pants during that uh trailer it was incredible trailer and i've heard uh, i can say this because i'm I'm not repeating anything that hasn't been said publicly you know they started off making dlc and they made a game right yeah it looks awesome and i love i love the protagonists i love how they are croft (laughs) no it's not sorry sorry i'm sorry Shut your face. Shut, <laughs> shut it. Um, I was I was joking to uh, Anthony Tarmina, who was sitting next to me during the press conference. I said, not Laura Croft in the not Laura Croft story and Uncharted Tale. I would argue that Laura Croft's personality was stolen from women with personality in Uncharted. Let's not uh, let's not have this fight. Um, <laughs> I'll be the snarky one when we start talking about crap rim VR. But what I'm talking about right now is I, I like the way that they play their animosity toward each other and that they need each other, and, and I hope it dives into that more. And then I like that they showed classic Uncharted gameplay. For me, the biggest question after was it the PlayStation experience was they kind of showed someone walking through a beautiful environment, but we got the Jeep, we got running, we got jumping, we got all of that awesome stuff that Uncharted games are, but then also with its own feel that is showing how these two people are maybe different than Nate. I am so excited for this game. 
Yeah, it looks really good. It's like, oh, we get a bonus Uncharted game that feels like its own thing, and it just it just feels special. It's uh, yeah, it looks really good. And looks, I mean, it, the, the product doesn't look like the Vita game. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah, it's not oops in <laughs> at all. Yeah, this yeah. is this is a list material here. It, it certainly seems that way. Um, I am kicking myself for not making the prediction in our prediction show last week that I was planning to say. I just it just slipped my mind. I never yeah, said me too. it. Me, me too. Yeah. The Horizon Zero Dawn DLC announcement. I thought that was definitely going to happen, and it did. And I'm so happy because Horizon Zero Dawn is such a special game. I didn't think it was going to be coming out this year. I thought it would be a little soon for DLC, but it is. And we're getting what looks to be some really awesome DLC for Horizon Zero Dawn, a new area. Um, uh, Anthony leaned over and said, well, how do you, how does she fight this new stuff if she has that armor that basically makes her invincible that you get at the end of the game? Like, can you, is you, or did that fall off and it's not working anymore? Or how, what happens? Um, but man, I'm excited for more Horizon Zero Dawn. I love that that they're having DLC, and it looks like some really cool story based big deal DLC. Yeah, and a new environment. The snow looked beautiful. There was some cold weather stuff, of course, in the in the original content of the game. I say, of course, if you haven't played, it, you don't know that. But not like wading through. It's of course because every game has to have snow, vault, fire, whatever. Right. Yeah. Desert, jungle, snow. But I'm on board. I don't know if they announced a price point. I have not sought one out. I have not. I did not see one. I'm, I. I hope it doesn't. I'm. I'm going to pay whatever it is. But I, I hope it's gentle to me. <laughs> but it looks. It looks awesome. It does look awesome. Um. Speaking of awesome, I was really, really impressed by Days Gone. Oh my goodness! It looked great. It looked so great. I mean, it really does look like a Naughty Dog game, <laughs> and in a good way. Uh, it's not obviously. It's from Sony Bend, but. Um, has a great track record of their own it's hard to that's what's the hardest part it's like when you're talking about insomniac who i know isn't true second party and and uh, naughty dog it's like you compare everything to those but sony bend is and now i think they're really flexing this it looks incredible it really does look incredible there were a couple of jaw-dropping moments it's got that naughty dog style you know, character storytelling spine that that really seems to be very strong here and big moments and really interesting scripted sequences inside this kind of more open world. But then a couple of times where he would like come around a corner and you just see thousands of zombies hanging out. It's like, oh, wow. I've never really felt that in a game. And it it didn't seem to sacrifice any visual fidelity to put that many moving pieces on the in the game. And then when he used them as a weapon against other people, yeah, I was like, I exclaimed audibly. I was, I thought that was just the coolest thing. Yeah, I need. I mean, I, I just. Mm, sorry, okay, thoughts here they come. Uh, I need to see how it looks on a regular PlayStation versus a Pro. Like, what differences there are. Like, am I gonna? Is this gonna be 15 frames per second for me because it's generating all these zombies? And two, even if that is the case, um, how the heck? How the heck is PlayStation putting out this type of graphical output? I don't know. When and, and same thing, we'll talk about VR in a little bit, but like my PC is way more powerful. And I know like they're writing to the metal or whatever it is. Yeah. But holy crap. Well, it's holy a, there's a, there's a lot, of, lot you can do when you optimize to a very specific system, but I don't discount your holy crap because I think it's a very justified holy crap. Also, 
I know I, it, I, it pains me when people say I'm anti-Microsoft because I love Microsoft. I've, I've been an Xbox fan for a long time. I used to be called the Xbox fanboy. Uh, back two on your lower back. Yeah, right. I actually have two Xbox uh, stamps on me right now. You can see them. Um, but it's hard for me not to compare Days Gone to State of Decay 2 just because they're both zombie games and they're both exclusive to their respective systems. And there just isn't any comparison. There's just... It well, they're different style of games, completely, too, though, right? Like, it's maybe not fair of me to make that comparison, but I can't help myself. And when you look at Days Gone, it just... It, I'm not particularly even interested in zombies anymore, and I can't wait to play this game. And State of Decay 2, just, it just... Even though there's some interesting stuff going on, and people have said many positive things about the first game that I did not play, it just doesn't compare, man. It really doesn't. Well, no, one is this multiplayer, you know, Battlegrounds, Left for Dead, or, you know, whatever, like, kind of game. And the other is, at times, a very narrow in scope, guiding you down a beautiful hallway, telling you the single-player story that there probably isn't much deviation along the way in which you play the game. Right. But, yes, at the end of the day, when you're watching trailers of zombie games, and one looks like a guy is, is moonwalking through an environment and their lip sync is, is horrible, and the other one looks like a movie um right i just kept looking at that handkerchief i feel like that handkerchief is just in his back pocket just to be like that graphical flare like as it waves when he climbs and and oh just just absolutely stunning i am so excited for this the worst part of the game i thought was when he's on his motorcycle and i was like oh great this is their cutscene, or you know this is their load this is how they hide a load and it's like why are they showing this in the and then like when the tripwire came out i was my i was just like oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was so well paced. It was really, really cool. And it's so interesting that, I mean, it's uh, it's predictable because every game is like, oh, the humans are the real danger. But it's interesting that it's not just zombies. That there's these going to be these factions, and it's a. Uh, it just seems like an interesting world now, and I am so in. I don't just when I thought I didn't care about zombies anymore, I'm so in. Well, you still have half a year to not. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like that. That's 2018. Now we're in the 2018 part of Sony's press conference. Yeah. That's true, which was most of Sony's press conference. There's not a lot of 2017 stuff, to be honest. Um, but Well, there is. It's just the first party stuff is Uncharted, Horizon, and then, you know, they're the lead on Destiny, which is huge. They're the lead on Call of Duty, which is huge. Right, right, right. Um, and, like, and then, oh, God, I'm trying to think of the other games that we already know about that are coming. Like, this year is still stacked, but what they showed later, yeah, was all this right. some point later. <laughs> yeah, it's hard for me not to want to just skip over Destiny and Call of Duty because it's, like, known quantities. Yeah, they look amazing. They're going to appease their fans moving on. Right. But they did look amazing. I mean, that, that Call of Duty spectacular that they showed which was like yeah. this like this like what you would see at the end of a disney a night at disneyland you know it's like pyrotechnics and explosions and smoke it just was i was like what is even happening um monster hunter world finally a pretty monster hunter monster hunter <laughs> deserves to be pretty y'all uh, I never really liked monster hunter it feels a little tedious to me but this game looks really pretty it's finally pretty at least right yeah and it's i mean it looks i mean it is like that a little bit western take on monster hunter but it still seemed to retain the charm of what monster hunter is like to me i love the way they kept showing like the badass protagonist just walk, it's like you know exploding building you walk away calmly <laughs> right. he's just like walking away with this monster flailing around in the background but very didn't calmly. Run, there was a, a sequence where he was like running from it and it, it looked like he kept looking back scared of it it was really funny <laughs> 
yeah, I don't think this game will be for me, but it's it's nice to see, and it's it's a huge franchise. I'm curious to see how this does versus the um, the, the Switch, Switch port yeah. of of Double X or whatever it's Double Cross. Yeah. It really makes that Switch port seem like the lesser game to me because Double Cross didn't. I think a lot of fans were not super happy with it, and it's a port, and this feels like it's its own big thing. So, um, kind of exciting for Monster Hunter fans. Yeah. I was completely shocked by Shadow of the Colossus. Um, I mean, they've already remastered it with high-res textures. This looks like a a Final Fantasy VII-esque remake, like Hollywood-style reboot. So that's where yeah. we are with video games now, where you, remakes of classics. And we've seen that. Yeah, we have seen it before. I don't think they gave a date for this, but it looks stunning. And the, the reboot, you know, the HD version was PlayStation 3, so it's not a this gen. I don't know what they're going to call it. They're just calling it Shadow of the Colossus, but it was... That it, was the that, title card that came up, just Shadow that, of the Colossus. Yeah, that game has, you know, touched me more than a, a lot of games have. It, it made show a huge on impact the, on show me. Show me on the doll where it touched you. Uh, You know, see that really long thing between the doll's legs? <laughs> oh, God. You really went there? I thought you were going to do, do a Colossus joke. Like, it touched me on the... Yeah, I was. you got to watch out for that Colossus, because when it rises from the sand... Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, okay, anyway, show, Shadow of the Colossus. Um, it looked yeah, awesome. Classic game. It looks gorgeous. Like, they really did it. They really did a new version of this game. Um, I'll play it again. Why not? Why not? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Which Meh. evidently has a story. That's what I'm curious about. And that's apparently available. So I'll probably download it when we're done blabbing. Yeah, let's check out that story demo. I still uh, want another realm. Like, that's the thing. Another realm's like, oh, story? Yeah, good try, guys. <laughs> right. uh, let's talk VR. Because as I predicted, I think I did pretty good with my E3 predictions. I mean, I may have been rubbish with my 2017 predictions, uh, in contrast to you especially. But I did pretty darn good with my E3 predictions. And like a lot of people gave me credit on Twitter, they'd really doubled down on VR. They had a, an entire section of the press conference devoted to it, and it wasn't small, and it was it was full of new things, not the least of which Skyrim Ver. Skyrim yeah. Ver. What up, Nintendo Switch? And they were just like, yeah, we we put motion controls. Why not just finish the job and <laughs> make it VR? Da, 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 Skyrim in does, VR. Th- does this mean it can't handle Fallout? Um, no, I means? think this means they wanted their own thing. And, uh, I talked to some people afterwards from Sony and I don't know, I don't know if I'm able to say this, but I'm gonna, they said it's uh timed exclusive. So it is going to be exclusive to PlayStation VR for a while before it comes to Oculus and Vive. So yeah, that's kind of everything thing. at this point. That's what I assume, unless it's internally developed like Farpoint or something. Our, our mutual friend Flint. Our mutual friend, Blake, uh, tweeted at me and said, how do you move? Which I was like, well, obviously, oh, wait, no, the motion, the move controllers don't have sticks. How do you move? So that's something I'm going to find out this week. How do you move? Because they didn't show any uh, teleportation. It looked like natural movement, which would be great if you were able to use the uh, aim controller (laughs) like you can in Farpoint. But there aren't yeah, any... They're showing like hand gestures. Maybe right. they're coming out with a thing. I don't know. That's well, that weird, was but... my other prediction last year. If you remember in December, I predicted that for 2017, that they would have new controllers, but it certainly feels like they would have announced that here if that was happening. I just don't know how you move uh, 
it's a very, very good question. So, also, I claim Blake as my friend. I said mutual friend. I know, and I'm claiming him. All right, I guess. <laughs> I think it should be up to Blake. Uh, let's see if I can get him in the chat. Uh, that that was a it was a showstopper, I think, moment for you and I because some you know appreciating VR. I think a lot of people were like, "Well, who cares?" Um, to me, that's far more interesting than taking a eight year old game on the go with me, which I think is still cool. It's still cool, but I think that this is far bigger. And I I can't imagine the deal that was paid for them not even to mention it yeah. at Bethesda's press conference. Right, I yeah. was stunned. Yeah. Uh yeah, I wonder if I wonder if we're actually gonna also get Fallout or if this was like the deal that they were just you know I don't know. Well, but Skyrim's a much older and Fallout Four, while still the same engine, unfortunately at some levels, is a much prettier game than um, Eight Year Old Oblivion. So I I don't know if we can run it. I just I don't know because my experience of Fallout Four and, and I heard it was optimized more later, but that game kind of chugged for me in places. Like it wasn't the silkiest, smoothiest game. Can I say something that might surprise you? I'm you sold your VR headsets and <laughs> put it towards a college fund for your kid. Not shock you. Not do something that I would <laughs> actually be smart of me to do. Um, I'm much more interested in playing through this game again than playing through Fallout Four again, only because it's been longer since I played this. And sure. I didn't play the remaster. I, I like booted it up and checked it out as just to see, but I didn't play it. Um, I am legitimately like, I don't remember sections of Skyrim and I think I would make different decisions naturally rather than with fallout, like intentionally making different decisions. Cause I remember what I did. I think it's been long enough that I really could dive into this and actually play through it again. Yeah. I'm excited. And they showed a bunch of other uh, VR games. Um, some really interesting stuff. I thought, I, I, I think that unfortunately VR obviously doesn't, show great because the graphics by nature of the required frame rate and resolutions uh, aren't going to be, aren't going to compare to stuff like days gone and God of war and stuff. So it's going to look, it's going to look worse because you're like, Oh, well that game doesn't look that great, but it's like, well in, in 3d, it's going to look amazing. Just doesn't look great here. And I thought they had an interesting mix of like first person stuff and third person stuff and stuff where you have to protect a little mouse friend. I thought it was. I thought it was really exciting. I know I'm. So a- that game Moss is coming from. This is from a, a tweet from a friend. Uh, old friends from Bungie formed a new independent studio, and this is their debut title. Interesting, because weren't the old friends from Bungie working on the VR uh, Gollum game? I wonder if this. I wonder if they. I don't know. Yeah, that. I don't know if that's a different. Bungie has had a many old old friends. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Over the years, I think the thing that that struck me the most was. Um, Oh God, what are the Bravo team? Because yeah. it looks like another reason for me to steal your aim controller. I'm curious if humans will still always run in front of you, but you know, <laughs> Farpoint proved how fun that game is, that right. style of game. And this looks like another one of those with the, you know, a realistic setting or whatever. I think that looks awesome. I'm all for, I'm, I'm down to play a reskinned Farpoint if that's all it is. And yeah. hopefully it's even more than that. For sure. Aim control. You could just tell in the trailer yeah. it was for sure aim control. And I, I really think they should make the most of that aim control. Did you hear, by the way, not an E3 announcement? But it happened before E3. But um, Arizona Sunshine, the zombie VR game, is coming out on PlayStation VR with aim control support, which is cool. Yeah, they added a new mode for it. It's not like the whole game, but there's like an aim mode for it. And that game was great on um, whatever it was, Oculus or Vive or all of the above. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I just – I was pleased to see – 
the VR as like a third pillar in their lineup. It really felt like it was given its due and not given short shrift, like it kind of was last year. So, um, I was encouraged. I was disappointed. I really, really was hoping there was going to be some mention of battlefront Two VR. Uh, yeah, but it looks like either that's not happening or they're just not talking about it at all yet. So. Yeah. Um, the final fantasy 15 VR fishing thing looks redonkulous. garbage, really weird garbage really weird yeah yeah um god of war let's talk about god of war that game is gonna make me cry isn't it i'm gonna cry like a baby in that game aren't i i just love how they're peeling back the curtain a little bit i remember last year you know you're looking at the screenshots you could see that kratos had this the scars of the chains on his arm with like the bandage so it is the same kratos it's like a timeline this is god of war 4 but in the trailer now where they showed him like in that treasure room and there was an urn you know with old kratos on there like talking about like it's it's the, it's that dude it's clearly yeah. you know god of war 4 whatever happened happened right. and to me that has me so excited because while the story in god of war oftentimes gets reduced it's interesting and i like greek mythology and i'm super curious how they're going to combine that with north norse mythology um in a way that, that sounds really really cool i love the idea and i'm not i'm not being facetious here i love the idea of a mythology shared universe like to me that gets yeah. me really excited i'm gonna say something else that may be a little controversial but i i think this might be the first game that whose story i'm looking forward to more than most movies i'd rather watch the i'd rather know the story of this game than most movies. And I can't say that even about Naughty Dog games. Like I dig really love the story in Last of Us and in the Uncharted games. I really do. I love them. But I wasn't like on the edge of my seat to see how Nate Drake's life went. You know, it, it, as much as I totally enjoy those, they're fun adventures and his family dynamic is interesting and his love interest is interesting and all that's this God of War game I am so invested in seeing what happens to this man and his boy. <laughs> I want – I mean obviously it has ramifications for my own life right now as the father of a son and new father. But I am so in for this game. This is – if you had to ask me right now, you can take home one game from E3. I, I would have a hard time deciding between this and Anthem. Like – it it looks so good and yeah. so interesting. All of the gameplay stuff looks so interesting. Of the even the fighting looks so different, and how you're protecting your kid or not protecting your kid, and their input and the discussions that you have. I this really feels like a next step forward for the industry. And again, how the heck does this run on a PlayStation Four, man? I can't. And then I like the way they hint in it. And, I, you know, I don't want to overstate that I know what the, the theme of this game is, but you got to see cool shades of who's teaching whom, right? It's yeah, not just totally. Kratos protect the boy. It's, you know, we got to trust people and this, that, and the oh, other. And, I, and I mean, Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be Kratos's redemption. It's going to be his learning how to feel. And I can already tell I'm going to ball like a child at this game. It's going to be so powerful. And can I predict a spoiler? This one of them is going to die, and I don't want. Kratos is going to die. Kratos is going to die. Is what so he, gonna I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about it at all. Right. But it feels son, like Kratos is going to die. So I, I think it might go. Son, 
convinces Kratos to let people in because Kratos's monologue was like, never worry about, you know, your enemy, whatever. He's going to teach Kratos empathy, sympathy, let other people in. Someone's going to betray them, kill the kid. The kid's going to be dying and be like, it's okay. You know, it's worth it. Don't give up on this. Gives him his life force or something. Like, don't give, don't give up on trusting people or whatever, oh, shutting people out. And then he goes, ah! and then it goes back to God of War one. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think this is video game, the road. Uh, and I don't, yeah. I don't want to spoil any of the road. If you haven't read the, well, book. the book, the road, not the movie. Exactly. The yeah. Um, the book is, is a work of genius. And I think this is going, uh, that book made me ball and I loved it. And it looks like an incredible game. Like it looks like a great game, but it also looks like it's doing something. And I don't know if I've ever felt that about a video game. Like it's doing – it's what I want Far Cry 5 to be, you know, like say something or make me f- invest in this. It's – I'm so amped on this game. I, I really think this could be a seminal moment for the entire industry. And they're giving it early 2018, that horizon spot, it looks like. So sure. I hope I hope it makes it. I hope it comes out. And then the next game we talk about, I hope, also hits. Because this, whoa. These three games in 2018 on, on PlayStation, what an incredible year. You're talking what about, an incredible year. You're talking about, of course, Detroit Become Human, right? Right, Christian? That's the next game. Right, you I did I was forget gonna... that. That does look – honestly, I, I feel bad for giving that short shrift. I did forget about that. I was, of course, was talking about Spider-Man. But we could, let's talk about Detroit because – it looked like more gameplay than any David Cage David Cage game I've seen so far. Well, completely different part of the experience, right? It, from what yeah. they showed last year in this, is it's like two different games almost. Almost like action sequences now that you're making big choices in. I mean, you always were making big choices in the action sequences of the old games, but it feels more action-y, right? It feels like these big set-piece moments and – a really sort of global story that last year they showed this, um, this more restrained personal uh, interrogation moment or, or kind of crime scene investigation moment where you end up confronting this guy, uh, this suspect. And here, this is like a size and scale that you haven't really seen very often in a, in a David Cage game. Um, Big sort of uh, riot scene with the, with the uh, cybernetic humans, revolting against their their oppressors uh it really seems like this is another example of a of a video game that really could be having something to say about modern times but doing it through the lens of science fiction cuz you know this is very much about slavery you know in a lot of ways they like very they name checked being a slave in the in the in the game so i think there's some interesting stuff that potential here i'm really excited for this yeah, I, I I think it looks phenomenal. Um, and I think what they showed looks incredible. I like the way, you know, they showed like fake UI, you know, but they peeled back and showed like the decision tree and all the different ways you could go to get to this one point in the game. I think that looks fascinating. Uh, I'm not going to talk about this much because we're talking about Sony, but I did want to mention, I'm going to be very vague and I apologize for that. But yesterday on, on our last show, we talked about a game that I thought looked very beautiful. And things aren't 100% confirmed or whatever. I'm going to let give this some air. But you talked about games saying something. I like it when games say something important. And man, it makes me sad when a beautiful looking game potentially says garbage. That's that's all I'm going to say about it. Uh, I'll talk about it later. When we're not talking about E3. Um, well, but this game, Detroit, looks yeah. looks phenomenal and, and really, really interesting. I don't know if the game that you're referring to says garbage so much as the game creator, right? Is that what you're saying? Uh, if you look at old things, the 
games might say garbage. Remains to be seen. Certainly it would bum me out if that's the case. Yes, uh, me too. But uh, yeah, let's let's move on and talk about Spider-Man because that was the game that closed Sh- Sony's press conference. And- did your monitor get covered in webbing also when you were yeah, watching webbing. that? Because mine did. Definitely webbing. I mean, I was there in person, but there was webbing everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Uh, oh my goodness. James, invite us over. We can keep a secret. Yeah. <laughs> First time we're seeing uh, gameplay of Insomniac's Spider-Man and what gameplay it is. Uh, I guess two parts Batman Arkham Knight, one part God of War. Uh, Old school God of War, like quick time God of War. Right. And with a, a sous-son of Marvel charm. And uh, it just – it seems like the recipe that – should have always been for a Spider-Man game, right? They, it, it definitely doesn't. It's definitely borrowing a lot. You know, it's very, very reminiscent of a Batman, uh, a, a Rocksteady Batman game, but so stylish. Just the way webbing seems to work in this world is so perfect. And and then the set piece, like you, Christian, you have to talk because I'm, I'm. There's webbing everywhere right now. Well, I think the incredible thing about this is that they solved the Spider-Man speed problem by it looked like forcing, you know, bullet time type stuff every time Spider-Man, when he went into the the combat arenas, when there's like multiple guys to take on. Whereas some of the other games, Spider-Man 2, which, you know, I loved, everybody loved back in the day, in the more recent Activision games, they had a very fluid, fast Spider-Man with a lot of cool combat but you're inside and the camera couldn't keep up. And it looks like what Insomniac is doing here is they're slowing it down, which I think works for the character because it's not as if Spider-Man is, is, uh, you know, nervous and can't keep up when he's in these situations. Like the world is slower for him, right? Like he's pulling off all this awesome stuff. And so the way they had that set up, as long as it's still challenging in some way, and it's not just kind of like autopilot pick off these dudes, but the way they showed the takedowns and the combat, um, it looked absolutely incredible. And then, you know, the other stuff that maybe is quick time events with the webbing or whatever, you know, if it looks like that and it's that stunning and that cool and it's telling a great story, I'm a okay with it. I was a okay with it in God of War. Um, you know, you don't want every game to be that, but if what I'm playing is Arkham style combat that then goes into these, you know, incredibly choreographed segments of seeing Spider Man be Spider Man throughout New York City. And then I I do some quick timing in there. I'm a okay with that. And then if the game opens up into an open world and I get to pick where I go next to do the next encounter or whatever, game on, absolutely game on. And then also, does Peter die? And are you Miles? I don't yeah, know. It's a great question. I mean, the 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 last tease of Miles Morales, I was like, are they trying to tell us that was Miles the whole time? No, I don't think it is. I think maybe my, you hand off to Miles or Miles is or maybe it's just a cool wink. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Musum in the chat says it's very uncharted makes QTEs look awesome. And I think that's the fun thing. It, it makes all of us, uh, gamers who complain about QTEs. I'm not really one of them, but people who do, uh, kind of into hypocrites because, but it it really points to the fact of it's all about how you do them. It's not QTEs in and of themselves are not the problem. It's how they're executed. And this is how you do it. Now it certainly raises a lot of questions for me. Not the least of which is what happens if I fail at any of those, you know, right? uh, how does the game deal with that failure? But also this level of set piece, you know, this felt like an Uncharted sequence like we saw 
uh, what, two years ago with the big uh, Uncharted 4, um, you know... Uh, Dragging behind the, yeah, the, the vehicles or whatever, the, yeah. Yeah, to the thing, to the next thing, to the motorcycle, to the which was utterly insane and crazy. But, like, how many of those can you put in a Spider-Man game? Like, how many of these are there? Is this one of three? Is this one of ten? Like, how many times can the game go this balls to the wall? Because this sequence went on and on and on, and it... It, it certainly seemed very uncharted scripted. You know what I mean? Like the sequence is the sequence and you're going to go into that building and fight your way through that building and jump out the other side. I mean, it is a set piece, right? But can you build the game with enough of those? Or is that one of a very few amount? And most of the game is Batman, Arkham Knight, you know, running around kicking thugs in the face. I, I don't know. Either way sounds great to me. I think the answer to your question is yes, you can build enough of those into a game. Um, Uncharted has done it repeatedly. God of War did it in the past. Um, even Tomb Raider, you know, the first one had more. The right. first new one um, had more, but had a fair share of those types of this is the way the set piece goes and how you play through it. Um, so I, I think it can it can go either way. Hopefully there's at least one other one. I, I do wish that I hadn't seen that Jeep sequence in Uncharted 4 right. before I played it. Because it seemed like the best part of the game in a lot of ways. There were other amazing set pieces in that game, but that was far and away the most bombastic. Um, I'm curious for this game if we're going to see any other Rogues val- Rogues, Valor- yeah. Rogues Gallery villains in it. Um, I hope so. And- I was a little disappointed that there there weren't any sort of a- A-listers. We got winks, right? Like yeah. everyone in it was a wink, like even including Miles, where it's like, we know what we're doing. So that's why I feel like we're going to get something. But also I thought the voice talent in this was incredible. Yeah. E- everyone sounded so good. Yeah. Um, it, it, I'll say the same thing I said after seeing that Jeep sequence at Uncharted 4 at E3, which is if this was a sequence from the Spider-Man movie, I would think it is one of the best action sequences in a movie. Like this, right. the action sequence would be amazing on the big screen in a in a theater. So, yeah, that level of just choreography and shot composition and the way it all plays is amazing. And it's incredible. Yeah, delivers the the Spider Man fantasy in, in exactly how you. It's amazing. It's spectacular. It's web of. <laughs> um so i mean i i think this deserved to end the show they said 2018 so it clearly you know they had they'd specified with god of war early 2018 so it clearly this is like a fall game next year which is a bit of a bummer that we have to wait that long because um it, it it is top of my list of things i'm excited for yeah, I'm I'm curious how they spread out these releases and the other stuff we don't know about yet between <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, God of War, um, Days Gone and Spider Man. Those are three huge games kind of coming out. Are they gonna pepper it through the year and is Days Gone a summer game? Is that gonna come out when like Prey came out or something? I don't I don't know. I, I mean I guess it's a good problem to have, yeah. but I kind of just want them all now, selfishly. <laughs> and you know, I said this last night when we were doing our show about Microsoft. It's Sony has a lot of true exclusives. In fact, that that phrase was was name checked on the stage. You know, Microsoft made a big deal about these uh, you know console exclusive time things. It's like it's for a while you have to play it here. This these are legitimately games that you can't play anywhere else, and they are games that look like 
must play experiences. They look like top tier, extremely high quality video games that are only available in one place. And I think that is the beginning and the end of the console war. That it, are there things that I have to pl- have to have your system to play? We don't. There aren't features that differentiate them. Microsoft named their console the Xbox One because it was all about your input one, and we're going to integrate your TV and film. That, that is completely gone. They have. They didn't talk about that once with the with the Xbox One X. They didn't even mention through playthrough and and managing your cable watching and all your media they don't that is i think those features are not differentiators anymore they're not reasons to go with one over the other i think it begins and ends with games that are incredible and you feel like you want to play and have to play and you can only get them here and for that reason alone i'm awarding my sort of, you know, press conference of the show to Sony, it it delivered those jaw-dropping experiences that I can't wait to get my hands on over and over and over. Yeah, I mean, well, Nintendo, I think, will do that as well. Their console is usually very specific to them. I think they said their Direct tomorrow is just 30 minutes or something. It's so interesting, right? Because Microsoft, to what extent are they shooting themselves in their foot because of they're actually supporting their games coming out on PC now, but maybe their bean counters don't care because they're still making money that way. But you know, you and I both have gaming PCs. A lot of people don't, but it's like this, oh, it's not a true exclusive because I can play it on PC and it might look better on my PC or whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, I, I just think that's interesting because that's still a Microsoft yeah. thing at, on some level. Um, but I also think a lot of those games, because of that, it, again, what I think it is, the biggest thing is that they don't have these first-party and second-party studios making these games. Exactly. And I don't know if, if they were naive or, or what happened or if they just didn't expect the PlayStation 4 to sell as well as it did. But I, I truly think they were blindsided by either the amount of money that Sony was able to throw at these third parties or the third party's willingness to just jump ship and go somewhere else. But the way that PlayStation went after Call of Duty being on the home on PlayStation, um, Destiny home on PlayStation, first content there first. And I, I think those are really, really big gets that for us, it's kind of like, oh, of course, whatever. I think that's really big. And that continues this console generation. Um, it continues to put Microsoft in, in a hard spot, unfortunately. Yeah. So what are your overall thoughts on the press conferences? We're kind of wrapping up our discussion uh, of the, as you said, Nintendo still not really a press conference, but they do still have their Nintendo direct tomorrow with lots of treehouse stuff. Um, I have it on good authority that most of what they're going to be talking about is uh, Mario Odyssey, which is, I think they're kind of repeating their pattern from last year where like they're putting a lot of emphasis on one game. I think that, yeah. I think their, uh, their show floor presence is themed around Mario Odyssey, um, which is cool. I think that's kind of neat. Um, and I'm really excited to see more about that game for sure. And I'm I'm really surprised at how much I'm excited for Mario plus Rabbids uh, Kingdom, whatever it's called, Battle, Kingdom Battle. But um, other than that, I don't know how much of that Direct is going to really knock my socks off. I, I hope there's some cool unexpected stuff. But I, I suspect it'll be a lot of Mario Odyssey and not much else. Um, but having not seen that, what is your take on the, what, five press conferences that we've we've talked about thus far? 
What a great time to be playing games. I think 2017 is still maybe one of the best years for video games ever. It's always hard to say, you know, 97 was great or whatever, but um, incredible. There are so many more incredible games coming out this year. And then I think 2018 looks to be right up there with more and more incredible games. I think this was an incredible E3 slate of, of press conferences from Need for Speed. You know, I think that story mode could be really awesome and, and really cool. Battlefront 2, I'm debating, do I want to get it digital so that I always have it with me and I can pop in and play, you know, whenever. Um, Far Cry 5, it, it's like you said, it's it's tough, but I, it's it's... It's challenging, and I like that. I like that it's challenging. Crackdown three, I saw you. You know there was hands on there, and I'm. I really hope that game delivers. And then I, I'm so excited to be getting more Uncharted and more Horizon this year from Sony. I think it's easy. Oh, everything was 2018. No, those are two of my all time favorite franchises that I'm going to get more. You know, hours of gameplay from here very very soon. Yeah. And then I think Knack 2 looks, I wasn't a huge fan of Knack. I was like a 6 to 7 out of 10 on Knack. Like, it was fine, but whatever. But what they showed of Knack 2, it looks like they learned a lot. It looks uh, really good. Looks, it looks really charming. Yeah. And I hope I hope they learn from, you know, the Ratchet & Clank re-release and give it a little more personality and, and platforming and, and variety and how you kind of do things and pick up the pace. And it looks like they've done that. Um, well, I played the first I, Knack uh, with my nephews, you know, passing the yeah. controller around. And just the fact that it's now co-op makes that prospect even more exciting. Like you actually can play it with your, your, you know, nephews or friends or whatever. I, I like that. And I, I enjoyed the first knack, even though it had issues. I, I'm excited that they're returning to that franchise. Yeah, me too. And then I think, you know, it feels like a year ago now, but I know you and I both left the destiny event high on that game. And, I'm really excited to see what that game does and how the, you know, uh, whatever, I already forget the name because my brain is overloaded on facts, but shepherding you into um, raids and, and how that progresses. And I still love Overwatch. And Jeff, it's great, man. I mean, I feel like you have to be coming away from this high, too, because you got good VR stuff. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Wolfenstein. That's this year. Holy crap. I know. Hol- it's, there's so I can't, many great, I can't. great looking games, insane looking games. And... Now I now I know that I'm going to be playing uh, Mario and Rabbids like that game. I didn't expect to have to put make time for that game. Now that game is going to be in my uh, in my rotation. Uh, there, yeah, so many surprises and um, interesting things. Well, obviously next week we're going to have Ben Silverman on, and we're going to be digging into more E3 stuff. Christian and I will be going to the show this week and actually playing things. We'll not be just talking about what the press conferences showed. We'll be talking about our own experiences, which is even more, I think, telling of what to expect. But, and, and again, we'll be doing this exercise, uh, you know, when we have more information, but right now, Christian, if you could only, if you could take home any one of these games, you can magically make it done right now and take it home, but you only get one, which is it. It's God of War. Yeah. It's got to be. I was going to say The Last of Us Part 2, but I can't say that I saw that. It wasn't there. There was no mention of it. As I predicted, I can't say, I can't no- say that I saw that because I didn't see it. Right. But uh, it's got to be God of War. It's, it's, it's like Spider-Man is like, you know, cr- scratching and clawing at me, but it's it's got to be that game, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to say God of War as well, but I think I'm going to go with Anthem. It's either God of War or Anthem. Both of those games, I either one of those I would be happy to take home right now. But 
anthem playing with my friends i just i think that it's gonna be so fun but yeah god of- anthem to me is more quite i would love to have it but it's it i have more questions about that whereas sony santa monica and what i've seen of god of war i'm like this game's gonna be amazing anthem i think i talked about it yesterday i'm a little nervous that everyone else that's done this type of game has made some mistakes they i still loved the division and i love destiny but i'm curious how um bioware handles handles those mistakes <laughs> which leads me toward god of war I'm actually at the point now where I kind of don't want to see anything more for God of War. I, I don't yeah. want to ruin any more of that game for myself. I, I'm just... Well, we need to go give them our Game of Show Award yeah. after that. But we're giving out... We should tell people we're giving out the DLC Game of Show Award. We It hasn't been decided. It. I mean, I think God of War is the front runner, to be honest with you. <laughs> but it hasn't been decided, and we have to be see the game played uh, in order to qualify. And we made that weird distinction for some reason last year uh, or the year before, whenever we made that. Um so hopefully that will happen with God of War, but it maybe could be another game. We we have there's lots of other games that weren't in the in the press conferences that we'll actually also be able to t- play and see. So you never know. But our our award, as it was last year, Christian, is a cake. It's the cake. It's the DLC. It's the sweetest award in gaming. It's the game that takes the cake. It's the game that takes the cake. So uh, stay tuned for to our Twitter feeds. Uh, for that at Spicer and at Jeff Kanata, uh, as uh, we will document that uh, that award ceremony, which last year we gave it to Horizon, great choice, if I must say, uh, but also delighted the developers to be given cake. They were so happy. <laughs> so uh, yeah. we're going to do that again. It's a different cake this year, though. Yeah, I made some changes. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it should, should still be delicious. Last year's cake. We should give them like a straight up wedding cake. <laughs> you can't eat the top tier until your game comes yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's hilarious. All right. Thank you guys for sticking with us for two um special episodes we did uh this week for um for the press conferences. We'll be back on Monday with our full E3 thoughts. As I said, you can hear me on uh Anchor talking all through the week in real time as I go. Uh, so definitely tune into that anchor.fm slash NLB and follow us on Twitter. Follow me. Uh, I'm at Jeff Kanata because uh, I've been posting stuff. I post my little, my little almost run in with Miyamoto as he ran by me video and lots of other fun stuff today. So Christian, you could have tripped him. You could have ruined a legacy. I, I, I could have, I, I much more, more kind of wish I'd gotten up on stage with the developers. I think that would have been hilarious, <laughs> uh, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's going on with you? You got anything you want to plug? Yeah, also Twitter is the easiest way to get in touch at Spicer. I mentioned it on here. It just kind of came up, but uh, I do that other podcast at least 20 more minutes. You can find it at patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. This week's, the regular one for this week is kind of the evolution of the press conference or media showcase as they seem to be referred to now. I think it's interesting. Uh, Hopefully people love it. And I'll be dropping some bonus episodes as E3 unwinds as well. And then if you're a parent or parent curious, uh, I have a parenting podcast called Department of Parenting. You can find everything about it at departmentofparenting.com, including links to We Too Now are on Anchor, dropping daily content, nice. parenting tips, tricks, musings, um, all new. It's not repeated what's on the podcast. And you can find that at anchor.fm slash D-O-P. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening to us. Thank you, Christian, for uh, staying up late with me. It's been fun doing these, just you and me. I've been having a good time, um, but thanks for uh, staying up late and, and talking about the press conferences. We will be back on Monday. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.
Chugga, 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 chugga. Easy.